Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. Both Casey and I want to thank you for listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Your support has helped propel us now to 18 radio markets around British Columbia. We're heard 30 times weekly. We've got a busy show today. We're going to start with historian Luke Whittall to talk about some of the history of uh, the British Columbia wine industry in his book, Valleys of Wine. Paul Grunberg joins us. Uh, he's in charge of Savio Volpe, Pepinos, and Cafe Latana, three dynamite places in Vancouver. And he's uh, he's got a lot to say today. You'll want to listen up to uh, talking about uh, COVID, how it's impacted his business, where they're going, and how happy is where they're at the moment. Then we speak with the chef of the year, Andrea Carlson. She's from Burdock & Co. We find out that they'll be participating in uh, Dino Vancouver, which is great news for everybody in the city. And then finally, uh, we have a great chat with Chris Hoffmeister from Select Wine Merchants. And we talk about two wines, one in particular, a fantastic Chianti 2018, absolutely delicious. Wait till you hear the price and the availability. All that and more coming up next on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Don't go anywhere. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. This year, be local with Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Find a wine that celebrates local as much as the holidays. Whether it's fireside or turkey side, Save On Foods has that perfect complement to your celebration. Browse more than 1,200 wines from over 180 wineries. The largest selection of BCVQA wines in the world. Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Browse the entire collection online at saveonfoods.com wine and get ready for a local holiday celebration. The Modest Butcher Restaurant at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery in West Kelowna is ready for the joy and confusion that this upside-down holiday season is sure to bring. They've got your takeout covered for every occasion with a brand-new menu featuring your favorite modest dishes from 2020. They've even added some brand-new items designed for the nights when you just want to stuff your face with pizza and wings. For all you need to know on ordering, check out modestbutcher.com. Winter in wine country, there's nothing like it. Experience everything from the comfort and convenience of the Watermark Beach Resort Osuyus Hotel and Conference Centre. Book a stay or just enjoy an unforgettable dining experience at the restaurant at Watermark, featuring Chef Nick's popular nightly specials Wednesday through Saturday and Prime Rib on Sundays. Menu is available for dine-in, take-out and curbside pickup. Celebrate winter in wine country. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, it's great to be back. Uh, it's already the new year and uh, lots going on in the wine industry. We're going to kick off the show today with uh, our first guest is Luke Whittall. Many of you know Luke. Uh, he was involved in uh, writing uh, a book on touring the Okanagan Valley with John Schreiner, but he also has a history book out, which is quite fascinating, called The Valleys of Wine. It's a taste of British Columbia's wine history. Luke, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. 
And that uh, one book you did with uh, John Schreiner, the Okanagan Wine Tour Guide, you were a co-author. And when I talked to John, he said, you've got to speak to Luke about Valleys of Wine. So, Luke, what motivated you to do Valleys of Wine? It's it's a large book, lots of information. It, it's a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. Uh, it really was uh, a, a bit of a rabbit hole. I really went down it pretty hard. There was uh, a lot of information to find and because nobody had really written a history uh, about the British Columbia wine industry. The last book that had been written was Alex Nichols' book, which was from 1982, I think. So 82 or 83. So it was, it's been a long time coming. John Schreiner doesn't really, he, he's not interested in the history quite so much. He's interested in the people uh, in the industry. And that's always been, been his fascination. Uh, but for me, I was, I was just interested in where all these vineyards were, you know, what was here before the vineyards, what was here before all the wineries. I'm from a generation that doesn't remember or doesn't know because we weren't, I wasn't here when BC wine was in its infancy. You know, for me, BC wine has always been here. And so part of what led me to want to find out more about the history was I was just curious, you know, what was here before. Yeah. I, I was thinking that, what was here when BC wine was undrinkable, which is. Which I was is thinking maybe you were lucky, out. Luke. <laughs> I, I often joke that, that yeah, maybe. before 1990, BC wine really shouldn't have been consumed by humans to some degree, you know. Uh, yeah. it, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's very different, but uh, apparently. So. Uh, but it's it, it still, well, we wouldn't get to, to where we are today without having gone through that, though. No, that's for sure. And many, there have been many key individuals in the history. What do you think is the maybe not misunderstood or the least known thing about BC wine history that you you found and discover when you talk to people about it? The least uh, sort of understood thing is is really how important uh, prohibition was for British Columbia and how it still affects the way that we uh, perceive wine and perceive alcohol you know, production and sale. I mean, it, it really has all a lot to do with what happened, you know, over a hundred years ago now. Um, you know, the, the BC liquor stores come from that. The BC LDB comes from that. Um, the, the sense of government control comes for that. I worked for a winery once and, and his opinion was that, you know, he was, he was basically farming grapes and, and he was, making wine at the behest of the government in some ways, you know, and so because that's what it felt with all of the the regulations and things like that. Uh, and I thought that was a bit of a, that was a bit of a weird thing, but at the, it, so we have that element of control, but we also have the fact that the industry was started by the government. You know, the very first winery was started with a $10,000 loan from the, uh, the provincial government uh, to start growers, yeah. what became growers wines. Interesting you say that because uh, I'm I'm just writing about this week about some of the uh, effects of COVID uh, on wine in British Columbia and uh, of course the government is front and center in that because they're they're changing the rules and most of the rule changes are in their favor so it, not much has changed in that department but thankfully a lot has changed uh, out in the vineyards who Let's talk about some of the characters in the business that uh, you either discovered or you knew but now have delved into. Who are some of the names that people should know better about uh, when it comes to the start of this industry and, and the growth of it? 
Well, uh, there's a, a couple people, some that people really know very well, including people like Harry McWaters or, or Don Triggs. And I was really fortunate to have interviewed Harry, uh, you know, a couple of years before he passed. And, and, uh, and so I was really, really thankful for that opportunity. There's people that really never get mentioned, though, and uh, even though they had a huge amount of influence. And one of those people was, was uh, Rafe Mayer. Uh, the broadcaster who was, uh, you know, from CKNW for a number of years. And really what he did, he was the Minister of Consumer and Corporate Affairs in the Bennett government in the late 70s. And it was his uh, order and council that created the estate wineries, uh, cottage wineries at first, and then which later became the estate wineries. So in all of the yeah. books that I've seen, it just says the government created, you know, and then the government created these estate wineries. Well, it wasn't just the government it was a person doing it and it was a combination of three people actually it was Rafe Mayer, Tex Enamark and uh, Victor Woodland and uh, the combination of the three of them just made it you know they were able to make it work so now we have these estate wineries here whereas that wouldn't have happened without those three people doing what they did so yeah, very they... little is known about them and, and it's it's quite a fascinating history. I remember. I, I clearly remember that, especially text. But this, you're talking about the old Farmgate wineries, right? That sort of evolved into, you know, shortly after becoming estate wineries. I mean, they they had yeah, the Farmgate wineries came in the nineties. Yeah, the the Farmgate wineries came along in the nineties, but it was it was that was a free trade thing, uh, or a result of free trade. But the it was called cottage wineries at first, and there were really only two of them. There was Vinatera which was in Oliver, and then there was the very oh, first yeah. one, which was uh, Chateau John de Trepanier, which was in Peachland. Yep. And yeah. they were <laughs> they changed into that. Claremont Cellars. Do you remember that? I have two bottles, one white, one red. I'm terrified to open them, but they sit here in my cellar. I think there are better photo be opportunities. <laughs> Our guest is Luke Widow, and we're talking about the taste of British Columbia's wine history, Valleys of Wine. Well, I remember when uh, Sandra Heinley, she was the, they were, Heinley was the first winery to bring food, to serve food, and that was very complicated, but she was able to push it through, being a lawyer and all, so that was interesting, and I also, I also, um, when I think about people early on in the industries, uh, Walter and Gordon Geringer, I mean, it's pretty amazing, I don't even think they put their prices up since they started. No, it doesn't seem like it. That's for sure. Uh, but definitely, very, very early on in the in the estate wineries, at the very least. Uh, and back to Heinley, I mean, they were very innovative in in many ways. They had the first winery website, for instance. They had the first yep. mailing list. They had the first wine, uh, one of the first wine clubs that grew out of their mailing list. I mean, very, very early adopters of of some of that technology. In addition to having the earliest vintage of of commercially available ice wine. Ice wine. Yes. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a flyby of the seat of your pants time then. A lot of stuff got done with, even without the government uh, knowing about it. Eventually, <laughs> the, every, <laughs> eventually everybody got caught up, uh, but it was, a, it was a wild time. I remember Harry telling me how they would just connect to BC Hydro to get some power because they couldn't wait any longer to get, get connected, so they just connected themselves <laughs> up at the start. It was... <laughs> Typical Harry. Well, yeah. Luke, you've yeah. done a lot of research, and uh, the book is Valleys of Wine. It's twenty nine ninety five. What's What's happening next? What's the future for you in writing? 
the future for me, I'm actually doing another book right now uh, that will be out next fall. Hopefully it's going to be done fairly quickly, uh, but it will be about the 50, some of the, basically it'll be centered around 50 of the most interesting wines that I can find in British Columbia. So uh, not just limited to the Okanagan, of course, it'll be including Vancouver Island and the Fraser Valley and Kootenays and Lillooet and anywhere I can find. Uh, I just find that these wines, there's wines that I come across in my, in my daily travails, I guess, which is not really a word, but uh, that basically I think are just fascinating and they're not necessarily super expensive and they're not necessarily super well known or, or whatever. Uh, but they're just absolutely fascinating wines. So I'm going to be writing about each one of them individually and uh, that will be coming out hopefully in, uh, in September, October of this year. Sounds like great research. I'm having fun. (laughs) Drinking. (laughs) Very good drinking research. I like to call it tasting. Luke, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a better way to put it. Luke, thanks so much for joining us today on the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. Uh, Great to talk with you. Values the wine out and available uh, online and in bookstores. And is it in some wineries as well? Yes, it is. It is available at uh, many wine shops uh, through throughout the Okanagan. I don't know about in the interior, uh, sorry, in, on the coast, but definitely in the Okanagan for sure. Okay, we'll have a look for it. Thanks so much, Luke. Uh, enjoy uh, the winter, what's left of it. We can't wait for spring and a vaccination to get going. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You're welcome. That's Luke Whittle. He's the author of A Taste of British Columbia's Wine History, Valleys of Wine. We have to take a quick break. You're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network uh, across British Columbia. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. If you're a wine lover and you're ready for something new, try a little long-distance therapy. It's the wine club four out of four wine lovers would probably agree on. With 15% off therapy wine, discounted shipping, 20% off regular seasonal rates at the Inn at Therapy Vineyards, access to exclusive library wines, and more. Click therapyvineyards.com and choose your tier and frequency of delivery and sit back and wait as some of the Okanagan's finest is delivered direct to your door. Sign up today at therapyvineyards.com. The bear, the fish, the root, and the berry at Spirit Ridge is offering up some good times. Like afternoon happy hours, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m., with special pricing on platters for two and local wines and draft. Brunch, anyone? Enjoyed every Saturday and Sunday from 8 to 3.30. You can even take the good times home with family meals for four prepared weekly to go, from a complete turkey dinner to lasagna and roast beef dishes. For details, including reservations and menus, visit bearfishrootberry.com. GizmondiOnWine.com, BC's destination for finding great wine at all price points. With their easy-to-use search engine of over 30,000-plus tasting notes, you can find the wines you want by price, points, and more. Bookmark GizmondiOnWine.com for the new notes posted daily, each with a photo of the label. Get new ideas and find great buys with seasonal and weekly top 10 wine lists, original stories, and videos. If wine matters to you, join us at GizmondiOnWine.com. Follow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Gizmondi. Mondi on wine. 
the upper bench of BC's Similkameen Valley, a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. Here, nestled in a sun-laden stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos de Soleil Winery. Clos de Soleil blends age-old Bordeaux varieties and a unique Similkameen minerality for wines that are elegant, age-worthy, distinctively terroir-driven. Visit them by appointment or purchase their wines online at clodesoleil.ca with free shipping offered to all BC and Alberta customers on orders of six bottles or more. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Our next guest is uh, one of the busiest uh, restaurateurs in the city. Paul Grunberg joins us, I think, from Papinos today, but he could be at Savio Volpe, and uh, he could be running Cafe Latana. How are you today, Paul? Hey, guys. I'm, I'm great. Thanks a lot for having me on. Are you on Commercial Drive today, or where are you? I, yeah, I'm actually sitting in my car on Commercial Drive, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is my, my office away from my office. Thank God there are people coming and going in my office and uh, I just wanted to give them the space and my car is a great place to be. I've got the seat yeah. warmers on. I'm good to go. Great. <laughs> how are you making yeah. out? How, how are you, how are you surviving in in this uh, environment? Um, I, I, you know, p- part of the way I survive my life in general is a lot of compartmentalization and uh, uh, I kind of take everything day to day and try to have the most optimistic outlook as possible and um, I would say that we are not just surviving, we are thriving because of the team that we have and the vision and the synergy that we all have collectively as a group um, really um, is inspiring. And um, I'm so proud of our team and the, and the ferocity and the focus of all of us. And that's, that's how we're doing it. We're doing it as a team and we're doing it every day and we're staying sharp and we're not uh, we're not getting bogged down, and we're just doing the best we can. So that's what that's, that's fantastic. How well, Absolutely. let's 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 tell our listeners a little bit about your group and how it all comes together. So, Pepino's Spaghetti House is uh, yeah. uh, on commercial and completely different than Savio Volpe. How, how would you describe the two or give them a, an idea of what's going on? Yeah, they're they're definitely like long lost related cousins, but they are conceptually. Um, very different. Pepino's is that Italian, Canadian, Italian American concept where you feel like you're, um, you know, taken back in time um, to like Bimontes in Brooklyn, or um, you know, there's some great uh, examples on the East Coast of Canada yeah. and America, obviously, of these types of content, uh, concepts. You know, spaghetti and meatballs, chicken piccata, uh, mortadella, meatball subs. Um, iceberg salads, shrimp cocktail, um, the classics um, done really, really well. Also, buco and um, in a in a kind of the, the environment is um, you know quaint. There's no windows. Um, it's um, the old Pepino Spaghetti House, the old Nick's Spaghetti House. I know how yeah. how long has it been since Nick's was started? I mean, everybody's gone uh, there for years. It was '57, uh, I believe. Although I, I I might be wrong. I have it in my doorway a plaque i'd have to double check on the, the historical date but no nicks ran for a long time uh, nick felicella uh really great guy he's retired and um he's really into horses and he lives out in the valley i think 
so Pepino's is that Italian American concept, and then Savio up the street is uh, more contemporary, uh, more you know, lighter and brighter and wood-fired fare. You know, we've got the wood-fired grill. We've got whole animal butchery. We work exclusively with the farms. And mm. I had the pleasure of actually eating there last night uh, with my wife and Phil Scarfone, uh, our culinary director. Honestly, it was incredible. And I'm still dreaming of how well everything was seasoned. And it was such a pleasure to be there. And uh, Edie Steen's we brought on as our head chef about six months ago. Um, and she's, she's like rookie of the year, young gun, man. She is, a she's a, a force to reckon with and so talented and such a, an incredible person. So I feel like collectively, again, I circle back to our team and we're just, we're just in a very good place. And um, I'm yeah. really, really proud. And how, how would you describe dine in, dine out in the two things now? What What's your percentage or how's it going? Is it more takeout? Is it people still dining in? You, you've got all these rules you got to follow. Yeah. I mean, the, the current order that's in place um, is in place for a reason. And, and Dr. Bonnie Henry is, is, you know, our fearless leader. And I'm really proud of her and her, her accomplishments and how she's been leading everyone. And I think she's done a tremendous job in our province. And I know there are people out there that are, you know, naysayers and they, they, they don't wish her well and they think that she's a, a quack or not doing a good job. But those people are wrong, um, in my opinion. And uh, I'm, I'm you know, with you. <laughs> yeah. And if Bonnie Henry ever happens to hear this, you are cordially invited to any of my restaurants um, for dinner uh, because I'm, I, I have a great deal of respect for her. Uh, and Mr. Dix and all of the health professionals leading the charge. Um, so the current order is restricting of people outside of your immediate household dining out. And that was uh, a whack to the leg for sure. We noticed immediately cancellations uh, were rampant in that, on that November day, um, which was mm-hmm. scary. But, you know, we are, we are um, hobbling along, I would say, on one leg speaking from my own restaurant group and the federal subsidies are there for a reason and we're taking advantage of them. Uh, the CRA is great uh, to deal with, to answer questions and navigate and help you. And I really feel like we as a province are doing the best we can to not only survive, but like I said, to, to, to support local business. The dine-in, dine-out percentage, I'd say Pepino's does pretty decent takeout and pretty decent dine-in. It's a very small restaurant, um, and we do have mm-hmm. to abide by the health guidelines. Um, whereas yep. Savio, I feel like, is the is the quintessential COVID safety restaurant. It's bright. It's big. High ceiling. I've got lots of plexiglass. I've got lots of PPE. I've got everything, you know, is like your picture-perfect COVID-safe restaurant. And it reflects that because the restaurant's full every night. And the feedback is tremendous on safety and protocol. And while we're abiding by the same protocol and safety at Pepino's, it's just a different environment. So obviously yeah. people are are going to be more prone to dining at Savio because of the way they feel when they're there. Paul, our guest is Paul Kroonberg. He's the proprietor of Pepino's, uh, Savio Volpe. And also we need to talk a bit about Cafe Latana before we're out of time, which we had a chance, both Casey and I had a chance to experience uh, over the holidays, it's, it was an amazing selection of goods. Can you tell us about that? And also, oh, uh, tell us about the fifth anniversary dish at Savio Volpe. Okay. Um, I'll start with 
uh, Cafe Latana is like the the adorable, gorgeous toddler that you just want to stay at uh, a three-year-old for your whole life. It's uh, I don't know. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old, and I just want him to stay three-and-a-half forever. So Cafe Latana is amazing. It's um, a really boutique retail elementary outlet that specializes in hard-to-find preserves and and um, you know canned seafood and we make our own house line La Medea de la Volpe uh, we have all our sauces from Pepino's meatballs backpacked ready-to-go meals we have beautiful gift boxes box boxes which are kind of like meal kits our Shopify website is wonderful cur- wonderfully curated we have seven day a week delivery groceries you want cheese you want butter you want bread you want meats we got it all, and um, uh, my wife actually jumped on board during COVID uh, to kind of literally to save the day in that in that cafe and really help us navigate the online platform and begin to curate items from all over the country. So uh, mm-hmm. we're working directly with vendors in Montreal, in New York, in the UK, in Spain, and really hard-to-find products that you can't get um, at Bosa or Valroso or the Gourmet Warehouse because we really want to differentiate ourselves because we are quite niche and it's it's working. So um, we're we're quite proud of that property. That's very exciting. Yeah, it's it's well, great, love- and I'm glad you guys got to enjoy. Well, the the quality is so high, and I just you know we're seeing that this is one of the the you're not supposed to use the word pivot, but it is one of the pivots of of COVID where I don't think uh, consumers understand. Uh, how good restaurants are at selecting quality and getting, you know, they get a better quality of almost everything that they make and sell, and they know it. And, uh, you know, yeah. we we go to stores, and sometimes we don't know the difference. But this is, uh, people should check out Cafe Latana for sure. Uh, you can do all that by going over to the websites. They're all interconnected at uh, Pepino's and, and uh, yeah. Savio Volpe and Cafe Latana. Uh, okay, what about that item? The one Casey's so excited about. Well, I, there's there's not a specific item, but one thing I think what you're talking about is originally when we were conceptualizing Savia Volpe five, six years ago, we wanted to have this chicken-to-go program, which we dubbed Arosto Agogo. Right. Um, because <laughs> I, I, I'd spent some limited time in the south of France and eating, like, roadkill chicken and um, rotisserie chicken that was called Pule Agogo. So I wanted to do this Arosto Agogo program at Savio Volpe, but we just, we opened, we were really busy off the hop. We didn't have space for it, and we just kind of backburnered it, but we did all the work um, conceptualizing that project. So now with COVID and with this latest release of our anniversary, we've released Arosto Agogo Takeout, which is um, a chicken for two, sides, and this really cute Savio Volpe branded tote bag. Um, so that's that's what we're that's what we're hustling. We're hustling this Orosto Go Go chicken takeout dinner with a complimentary tote bag, um, and it's 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 beautiful. It's a beautiful meal, and it's um, you can also upgrade uh, to include our own house Barbera, our Savio Volpe uh, Barbera, which I think you guys have tried. Yes. Which I was on your show. We were, I was on your show years ago. Um, talking about it, right? And uh, we're working with Cantino Del Pino um, out uh, in Italy, and um, yeah, it's all about the Orosto Gogo for our five year. We're also launching um, some fresh merch, some beautiful 
wacky artsy t-shirts to celebrate the five-year anniversary which will be going live shortly and uh people you know people love the merch these days i don't know what to tell you they love the restaurant hardware so we love it all we love it all paul and we can't wait to get back in the restaurants as well uh really appreciate you coming on today and uh uh keep your chin up man you're doing a great job you'll get through it always Always. And thank you. Thank you guys so much for the support and the advocacy of our restaurants and uh, the hospitality industry. You guys are legends and uh, uh, you know, it's very, very, your support is supremely appreciated. So thank you very much. Can you stay on another okay. hour? <laughs> thank what? you so I much. Say, I, say, I, I say come over for dinner as soon as we can. We'll okay. Have, we'll, we'll, break yep. some, we'll break some bread together, guys. Sounds Thanks. great. Thanks so much. Okay. Paul Grunberg, he's the proprietor at Savia Volpe, Pepinos, and Cafe Latana. Check them all out online uh, or on our uh, Twitter and Instagram feeds. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. This year, be local with Wines of British Columbia at Save-On Foods. Find a wine that celebrates local as much as the holidays. Whether it's fireside or turkey side, Save-On Foods has that perfect complement to your celebration. Browse more than 1,200 wines from over 180 wineries, the largest selection of BC VQA wines in the world. Wines of British Columbia at Save-On Foods. Browse the entire collection online at saveonfoods.com wine and get ready for a local holiday celebration. Have the extraordinary organic wines of Summerhill Pyramid Winery in the pristine Okanagan Valley delivered to your door. When you become an organic ambassador, a portion of every purchase you make at Summerhill goes back into your account, which you can use towards future purchases anytime. Share the love with your friends to earn even more credits. Find out more about Summerhill Pyramid Winery's organic ambassador program and order online by visiting summerhill.bc.ca. Location, location, location. If you've made up your mind to finally take that big step and move to the beautiful Okanagan, keep in mind that you don't have to do it alone. The right real estate agent can make all the difference. Let Sean Everest of Remax Kelowna be your trusted advisor as you embark on this exciting new chapter. I'm Sean Everest. I raised my family here and you can too. Visit seaneverest.com and let me help you on your move. And welcome to the Okanagan. I'm sure you're going to love it. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, it's uh, the new year, but uh, of course we're still moving along uh, with COVID, and I, uh, you know, I feel in some ways for restaurants, uh, it's been a really tough year. But uh, you know what? A lot of them are still open. A lot of them are working hard and uh, pressing forward. And uh, all we can do is encourage people to uh, help those that are sticking by the guidelines. And uh, maybe we'll get through this before the, I don't know, hopefully by the middle of the year. Our next guest is a chef and owner, Andrea Carlson of Burdock and Co farm-to-table restaurant, a rather famous restaurant in Vancouver on Main Street, 2700 Block. How are you today, Andrea? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Your voice is so happy. Like <laughs> well, the that. sun is shining. <laughs> it is. Like, it's great out there. It makes a big difference. I th- yeah, that is a great thing to have. And I guess you're getting ready uh, well, for Dine Out Vancouver. 
We are. Yes, two of our locations, uh, Bartogo and Sparkock, will both be doing Dine Out this year for the first time. And what day does it start? I believe it's February. Oh, yes, gosh, February, February 5, isn't it? February 5, okay. Yes. Oh, that, that's very exciting. So this will be your first year doing it. It will. And you've also launched a bottle shop. We have. Burdock & Co. A bottle shop uh, has been very well received. It was uh, created in the summer as another revenue stream for the restaurant when we weren't quite back to normal operations, uh, which is, of course, we're not back to normal operation, but we are open. Um, so, yeah, we have a, a rotating selection of goodies that are extremely well uh, priced. You're going to be hard-pressed to find those bottles uh, anywhere else in the city. They're not available at the LDB, and the, the pricing on it is extremely low. You're, uh, you, you are you actually well-known for your natural wine list. Uh, do you have a definition of natural? Or uh, Basically, it's uh, low intervention is what uh, we also like to call it. Nothing added, nothing taken yep. away. So these are going to be wines that are coming off of... Uh, usually family land that has been maintained uh, organically or biodynamically for generations and um, small scale production, very, you know, no added sugars, no added yeast, all that sort of thing. So very, uh, very lively wines, very fresh, things that are excellent with food. And you have a very impressive uh, sommelier. Yes, <laughs> we do. We have such a great <laughs> restaurant. Don't tell him that he's very impressive, though, or he'll okay. you know, it'll go yes. to his head. We don't want that, no, absolutely. And that's Peter yeah. Vanderreep. Yeah, Peter Vanderreep is uh, with us at Bar Gobo, and he's uh, put together an awesome list uh, here for our wine bar. And we have Neil Hillbrand, who is running the kitchen as well. So it's a nice little team, intimate setting, and a really great place to pop in for a bite and uh, try some really interesting wines. And you've paired yeah. a number Rest- of recipes of um, some beautiful oysters with I love the with tarragon and anchovy toast. Just they just sound fantastic. Yeah, they're pretty tasty bites for sure. Yeah, it's a it's a fun place. So the, you you got the right to sell uh, to sell some wine now on takeout and uh, to be more to be a little bit of a retailer of wine. Is that is that a good thing? you think it'll uh, stick around after all this is over and uh, is, it, is it become part of the business? Uh, it is a great thing. It hasn't become part of the business for us in any deeply meaningful way, um, but I love that it um, opens up access for people, it, it increases their opportunities, um, and it's just sort of that relaxing of the previous existing liquor regulations that had made Vancouver feel a little bit stodgy. So I think I think it's a great thing to have continue, continue in the city, um, just, just for flexibility, especially going into the summer. People are going to be more inclined to uh, pick up to-go food for parks. They're going to want to get a bottle of cider, a bottle of wine, something like that. So I think it's really great. Uh, well, I thought we'd explore a little bit, too, about uh, the Harvest Community Foods. I, I, I just think this is such a, a wonderful idea. How is that going in, in, in these times? It has been so key for us to have Harvest uh, and the work that uh, Gabriella is doing there. She, every week, is organizing the um, purchases for the CSA, which is our um, Harvest Produce Bag. So before the pandemic started last spring, we would do 40 bags every two weeks. 
And then at the height of it, we were doing 400 bags every week. Wow. So people really wow. um, got, you know, they were super interested in supporting local. They were interested in coming to support a local business. Uh, they wanted access to the same sort of product that they would get at a farmer's market and uh, without having to go to the farmer's market and stand on the lines and that sort of thing. Yeah. So it worked out really beautifully for everybody, and we continue that um, to this day through both Burdock & Co. on Wednesdays and Harvest on Thursdays, and we just split, um, split the CSA through the two, the two places. And what does CSA so- stand for? Uh, it stands for Community Supported Agriculture. In a traditional model, you would... Uh, purchase a CSA share from a farm, and uh, lots of far- lots of farms at the farmers market do do that. Uh, and your share gets you a weekly supply of whatever that farm has grown. So you might get a bunch of kale, some turnips, you know, whatever is on the go that week. With our model, it's the same sort of thing. Only we are kind of curating the bags uh, with the best of the best from the growers uh, that we have available to us from our local uh, organic farms. So we can put together maybe a little bit more of a diverse bag, especially going into the winter. It's harder, you know, it's harder on, on a single farm to have a huge yeah. diversity of product, especially in the winter. So we gather things from different people and we, we get into other options in the winter. Like this week, we have got uh, legumes. So we've got some chickpeas from uh, grain. And it's just, you know, nice, nice different options for people. Lots of mushrooms available this time of year as well. So we shake it up. We're speaking with Andrea Carlson. She's the chef and owner of Burdock uh, Co. Farm to Table Restaurant. And uh, we were just talking about uh, Harvest Community Food. You can check that out at uh, harvestunion.ca. That's where you can do your your ordering. Uh, it, it, I find, it's fascinating what you're saying because I find it tough at this time of the year. I'm, I'm not really sure what I can buy or what I'm going to get in some of these bags. So it's nice to have some to have it curated and have some extra goodies in there. Is there something mm-hmm. at the moment that you that that you really like uh, in January that we should be eating that that's easy to prepare or that uh, we see a lot of out there? Yeah. I mean, cabbage is definitely a winter staple. Um, a lot of people can find that a bit challenging to work with, but if you were to just, you know, look at a cabbage Cut it into wedges um, and pan sear that. Get some good caramelization on your cabbage. You can baste mm-hmm. it with butter as well to finish it so it's nice and tender. And then if you serve that with a creme fraiche or sour cream, or maybe you want to put a bit of white wine in your pan to, to reduce it and bring the acidity level up, that's just a nice, uh, that can be a nice appetizer and just gives a new dimension to something that often ends up only in coleslaw. Um, we've yeah. got great. Yeah, we've got some great fresh sunflower sprouts as well right now. So there are people out there doing um, microgreens and sprouts, which adds some nice freshness to this time of year. Well, you were Chef of the Year in 2020 at the Restaurant Awards, Andrea, and I, I've always been so impressed with your cooking. But I don't know how you find the time to do all your retail product because you've got jams and jellies and chili sauce and cranberry sauce and (laughs) where do you do that and when do you do that well we do the production of those items at burdock and co and they tend to happen early in the morning before uh the other cooks are in so you just you make the time you know how it is (laughs) yes you just have to make the time 
Well, Andrea, it's, uh, it's great to catch up with you today and talk a bit about uh, all the things you're up to. We, we know it's challenging times, but we've been getting sort of good vibes from a number of uh, community restaurants saying that they're getting su- neighborhood support. And, and uh, even though, uh, you know, the restrictions are on, people are obeying them and still coming out and spending money and trying to keep everything going. So we hope it continues for you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been incredible, the community support that we've received. Just incredible. Okay, we'll catch up with you soon. Hopefully we can get out and dine. The last time we said that to you, uh, it all started. We still haven't been out there to uh, enjoy a meal, so I'd like to get that on my list in 2021 right away. All right, well, we'll hopefully see you soon. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you. That's Andrea Carlson, and uh, really, folks, go to harvestunion.ca. You can get one of these curated bags, and, of course, you can drop by the restaurant anytime. Uh, they'll be open for Dino, which will be exciting. I guess we'll get more details on Dino, Casey, as the time moves ahead and how that will all work across the city. I'm sure it's going to change a bit, but uh, it is going ahead. Yes, it is, and we're all excited about that. You're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Uh, we're excited to be talking to you today and uh, every week across 18 stations now or across British Columbia. We're on 30 times a week, so uh, you can't get away from us. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, more on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. In the heart of the Okanagan's Golden Mile Bench, the Kalmana Family Estate Wine Shop is open for wine sales every Monday to Saturday from 11 to 3 with COVID-safe tastings Fridays and Saturdays. For those wishing to shop online, Kalmana is offering complimentary shipping for online orders of six bottles or more through the end of February. Kalmana Family Estate Winery, creating wines of excellence through the blending of art and science. For tasting reservations and more, visit kalmana.ca. Barb Holler, owner of Poplar Grove Winery in the Okanagan. When I look out over our vineyards, I think of the potential. The potential for improvement. How can I do things differently? How can I be more sustainable? How can I do things that improve viticulture practice? And bottom line, how can it improve the wine? Poplar Grove, available at private fine wine stores. Join the wine club at poplargrove.ca. Please enjoy responsibly. Hillside Winery is here to serve you, B.C. We're offering free shipping across the province on all orders of six bottles or more. Let Hillside deliver direct to your doorstep and give you one less thing to tick off your shopping list. If you're a local, ordering online for pickup is easy and hassle-free. Hillside will happily box up your wines and have them ready and waiting for you. We want to make getting your favorite Hillside wines easy. Find us online at hillsidewinery.ca. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, We're really pleased to have our next guest, Chris. Chris Hopmeister. He's the CEO of Select Wine Merchants, one of the largest uh, uh, distributors and agencies of wine in Canada, based right here in Vancouver. Chris, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Hi, Chris. Uh, I, I'm excited to talk to you today because we've been we've been talking a lot to restaurants and to other uh, sectors in the wine business, but we don't 
normally talk to uh, people who run wine agencies. It's been a challenging year, and we've seen a lot of change in the business. Uh, how does it look from your seat? Well, I mean, it's it's uh, ups and downs, I think, really, Tony. I mean, um, March 17th, I think, was really kind of the day we look at. Everything got pretty upended. Uh, there were a lot of layoffs in my space. Um, most of my competitors uh, laid off their people. Uh, we didn't. We didn't lay off anyone, in fact. Um, we, we couldn't do it just knowing how strong the business was at retail. Of course, restaurants mm-hmm. really struggled. We, we pivoted, though, at that time and um, kept our people busy uh, acting as uh, private client reps uh, doing trying to, you know, drum up as much direct-to-consumer business as we could and, uh, you know, help people make make really good wine decisions while they're kind of trapped in their four walls, so to speak. So that was, it's been a, it really, for us, it's been a, a cause for a lot of change and a big pivot in how we how we go to market and, and how we um, uh, look at uh, bringing our wines forward to the consumer. And when all the restaurants yeah, I, closed, um, Chris, what went through your mind? Uh, well, I told you I keep my keep my language uh, clean here, but it was <laughs> it, it was pretty um, uh, it, it was a pretty ugly moment. You know, um, we had also just bought the largest uh, agency servicing hospitality in Canada at that time, which was a company called Lifford Wine and Spirits. And so, uh, you know, uh, the first thing that came to my mind, obviously, Tony, was, was the health and safety of my people. But uh, right behind that was just how do I keep how do I keep everyone in a job? Yes. Um, yeah. And um, what? that was that was the number one, really. Well, just for our listeners, for instance, uh, restaurants not being what they are, what percentage of that business in Canada is, is involved in the wine business? Like what percent of your sales would end up in a restaurant normally or any agency for that matter? Well, um, across the industry, the it's about 14% of the total consumption in Canada is in the restaurant trade. It's a lot more right. in certain markets like... Um, uh, BC is pretty high, but uh, as well, uh, Quebec obviously is very, very high uh, percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my business, it's in the range of about 30% um, because yeah. of the way we like to build our brands. And, and we're not a you know a mega brand company, and we don't spend a ton of money on on uh, TV advertising and stuff. So we, we really try and make sure that people can have an experience with our wines, and the best way to do that is supporting the hospitality industry in Canada. And that's that was the scary yeah. part for us. Well, I want to ask you about what I, – I think I you knew some of this stuff, but uh, th- you're talking about direct-to-consumer, but what what is the – what is the breakdown between the winery, you and the consumer, when to get this message out, to tell this story, to to make the wine more relevant to the people who buy it? Have you been able to explore that more in this uh, in in COVID times? Yeah, I, I've worked with a lot of various networks, whether it's um, a bank that wants to do uh, private client experiences and and uh, you know want to do a Zoom call with forty of their you know private banking members to speak about wines, talk about the history and the provenance of, of these wines. Uh, it, it's incredible how enthusiastic people are when they get an opportunity to talk to someone who might know a little bit. They're just so keen to ask questions. I'm sure you guys experience that all the time. And that's really been our, our um, uh, really the change for us has been driving way more towards the consumer experience and the consumer understanding of the wines. Um, and in, in that 
you know, uh, we help people make decisions before they walk into a liquor store, um, whether it's a decision around an appellation or a decision around a specific wine. That's That's been really a key for us. So it's a hearts and minds exercise right now. Um, you know, when you can't do tastings and such and traditional commercial promotions, that's that's the direction we've gone. And, and we're going to stay that way, I should add. Uh, we're investing behind that. Uh, our sales force nationally, you know, about 85 people on the road, uh, are fielding calls day in, day out with private consumers and helping them, um, you know, make, make, make decisions on what they want to drink this week, this weekend, this night, with this kind of food, with in this kind of environment, in this kind of weather, you name it. Yeah. Uh, have governments been much help in this side? I mean, they, they run the biggest liquor stores in the country. Have they done much to overcome or change or... Well, I mean, I think that they, uh, I think that they stayed open. Uh, that's that, let's start with that. Um, I think that they stepped up. Okay, that's a good point. That's a they, very they, good they, point. They, 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 um, they stepped up as well. I mean, their people are frontline workers, and I, I, they've got a lot of. I give them a lot of credit um, in a time of great deal of uncertainty, and uh, and everything else that went with it, and the stress they worked on the front line and. Uh, so uh, from that standpoint, I've got a great deal of uh, admiration for how um, governments kept their businesses open uh, and, um, you know, uh, continued to give uh, businesses like mine a, a lifeline. And if it wasn't, if, if they hadn't stayed open, I wouldn't have been able to, I just don't know how I could have kept my, my 125 staff, you know, in their jobs. I just don't know how I could have done that. Yes. Yeah. We're speaking with Chris Hoffmeister. He's the CEO of Select Wine Merchants. Tony and I had a tasting of your 2019 Craggy Range Sauvignon Blanc and also the Fontella Chianti. Really excellent wines. The Fontella is $14.99. What a great price. Yeah, we're really pleased to bring this wine to the market. It's in, you know, well over 100 stores in the province. Um, uh, when I when I saw this brand uh, for the first time, uh, it was actually down in the U.S. And uh, first I saw that label, it's this baby blue pop off the shelf. But I, I really honed in on the wines. I, it was hard <laughs> not to be attr- attracted by the. It had a pretty heavy rating on it from a uh, a lesser known person than uh, you, Mister Gizmondi. And um, <laughs> yeah, it, um, right. And I just felt like uh, I really, when I really dug into the story about this family that had been producing wine since the 1800s and and became a negociant, um, they really were honed in on producing great value for money. So Fontella for me is is the mm. is essence of just being simple. They want to produce a really high quality, yep. everyday best value for money Chianti, and that's that's what you're getting in this wine. Yes, uh, and and I, I adore it for that reason. It's a, it's a, it's a great way to describe it this 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 sangiovese really is delicious it's not on the it's not on the acidic sort of uh, red fruit side it's not overcooked it's just what it should be it, it, it's a very great storyteller of that region and I, I i liken it to you know when you just find a great slice of pizza and it's exactly what you want and it, it it's nothing more and nothing less and this wine is just like that so i i think it's uh for 14.99 it's in 103 stores around the province people should check that out they can't miss it by the blue label as you say and it's a nice contrast for uh the craggy range because of the business that you're in and there's so many selections to make so here we have a sauvignon blanc from new zealand uh, do we need another one? No. Do we need more Craggy Range? We need a lot more of those. Uh, it's a really special Sauvignon Blanc. 
Uh, it sells for twenty nine ninety nine, but it's something uh, it's something quite different than what most people would probably experience from New Zealand. Yeah, it's it's definitely Tony a big tear up from sort of you know there's four wines in the in that category that do eighty percent of the business and if if you've been drinking one of those four and you want to take a step ahead and really see what New Zealand can offer, uh, Craigie Range is a great example. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the few icons. I I like for me it's always about personality behind the wines, the Peabodies uh, who built the winery. They're on a on a, a legacy building uh, endeavor here, uh, and they come to Vancouver every year, or come to Whistler for almost a month and a half, and uh, became friends, Terry and Mary, and um, fantastic people. And uh, what I love so much about this project is, you know, uh, Terry was a very successful industrialist. He could have gone in and pretty much bought most wineries, you know, in, in any Appalachian around the world. He He was that successful, but... He ended up in New Zealand and he just bought bare land. And when you asked Terry what was going through his mind, you know, it was pretty simple. He's like, I just want to control the quality at every single stage. And if I buy someone else's vineyards, it's harder to control the quality because I didn't plant it. And um, uh, for a guy that knew very little about the business, um, man, he makes his, his group makes some fantastic wines fantastic wines and he's he's had some famous winemakers and now he's hired uh, practically an unknown kid who's been just brilliant from day one so he he knows what he's doing and uh, people should check out this wine uh, chris we're almost out of time but i want to ask you a, a, a couple other questions about how are your suppliers doing like we've heard so much about how tough it was in italy and france and all these other countries uh, with covid uh, how has it impacted them and your relationship with them o- over this last year? Yeah, it's um, um, uh, the first thing I'd like to say is, you know, my suppliers are my friends. And, and while uh, quite a number of them were affected by COVID, uh, they're all healthy, which to me is is a big win at this moment. Um, we, um, uh, I think as a company, we've always been very strong as a, as a virtual business, and we've uh, always extended that uh, video conferencing and, and communication uh, technologies to all of our suppliers and partners. So uh, for us, uh, we just, well, we just had to forego all of the uh, personal one-on-one interaction, um, and they just kept the, you know, they, they did everything that they could to kind of keep their supply chain going. Um, they worked really hard with mm. their local governments to make sure that the trucks could move and uh, drop off the glass and uh, that they had harvesters and, and all of that. Um, they were very much in a preservation mode. And, and to their credit, you know, it's, a, it's an industry that spans hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, it's not the first pandemic to hit the, hit the wine industry. It's not the first time they've dealt with uh, major uh, cultural challenges or, or tragedy like world wars and such. And they, they fought through. And um, uh, while we've had some challenges, you can see today, for instance, South Africa, it's really hard to get our wines uh, to market uh, because they're basically blocked down. The, um, uh, the Europeans in particular and, and everywhere else in the world did everything that they could to make sure that their wines could continue to get to market. And, um, uh, everything's just moving slower, Tony. That was at the end of the day, everything just moved yeah. slower, and we just had to be prepared for that. Uh, well, this interview went fast, Chris, but uh, we're glad we could uh, talk to you briefly today, and we'll remind our listeners, and we'll put some social media up on the Craggy Range Sauvignon Blanc, the 2019 and the 2018 Fontella 
Chianti DOCG. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Uh, we'll catch up with you soon. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Stay you healthy. Too. Yep, Chris Hoffmeister, he's the CEO of Select Wine Merchants. Now, remember, folks, you can listen to the BC Food and Wine Radio anytime, anywhere with our weekly podcast. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts, including SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. We're done for this week. we got to get out of here. Casey, thanks so much for joining us, folks. We'll be back next weekend. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And we wish you a great weekend. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.